This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we'll take a closer look at changes to North Carolina's juvenile justice system. For the News and Observer and NC Insider, I'm Brian Murphy, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. It's Friday, August 27th, 2021. I'm joined today by the News and Observer's Virginia Bridges, who has been reporting on proposed legislation to change or increase the minimum age for children who are charged with serious crimes to appear in court. Welcome to Under the Dome Podcast, Virginia. Thank you, Brian. First, I, I want to applaud your reporting on this issue, which dates back to at least March, when you wrote um, a, a truly harrowing story, which led with a story about a six-year-old who was in court for picking a tulip from a yard at a bus stop. Uh, he was charged with injury to real property. Can you just, I, I still, I teared up again when I read that, read the lead today. Can you describe that court scene and, and how, you know, if you were privy to that? Well, you know, um, when we, I started to reach out to some of these attorneys who regularly represent juveniles in court, everyone would tell the story of their them sitting in the chair and their legs dangling over. Um, and no matter what they were charged with, you know, if you can imagine a six-year-old, uh, you know, I have a five-year-old sitting in a seat and it just the whole system being in an oversized system for them. And, and I felt like that was a perfect description to kind of explain the concerns um, that these children weren't old enough. Their feet aren't even long enough to touch the ground and their understanding definitely doesn't reach a level where they can understand what's happening around them and the consequences of the decisions that they make during this process. You talked about that story continues about, you know, the person had a coloring book. The child had a coloring book because that's, you know, that's what I have a five year old at home. I can't imagine him being, you know, facing some serious charge and having to sit in court and uh, pay attention and understand anything. that's And again, that was a common thing that the attorneys said with these young children. They have to bring something because their attention span isn't long enough to sit through this proceeding. And so they're have to bring something for them to do, which again, kind of highlights that these kids really don't have the capacity to sit through these hearings, much less understand them. And definitely not if they are using crowns and a coloring book during the process. Um, you mentioned talking to lawyers. Is that sort of how you came upon this topic that they kept talking about some of some of their cases and some of the young kids that, that they were defending? Well, this first came up when um, Will, Dorian, and I were covering the um, North Carolina Task Force for Racial Equity and Criminal Justice, which governor, which the governor started last year. And this is one of their recommendations. And, and when we saw that six-year-olds were, were being pulled into court, you know, that, that just seemed like a, a common sense thing to kind of look into and see what's happening with these kids and how it may impact them in the future. And um, according to your reporting, North Carolina is the only state in the country that specifically allows six-year-olds to be brought into court. What, what are these kids coming to court for? I mean, it really is like a range of things. Um, it could be something as simple as, you know, like like we pointed out that some kid was picking some flowers and maybe he 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 did it quite a few times and, and the woman who yard it was just had had enough and was really a stickler about pushing it through court. 
Um, but there are other cases where kids who had disabilities and their teachers weren't following their um, prescribed plan and they reacted in negative ways. But, you know, if a teacher makes a complaint, that could be that could go forward as an assault on a teacher, say, if they stand up in their chair or throw a pencil at someone or, you know, other kids who are maybe playing, these are cases that attorneys described, other kids who are playing with older kids or their siblings and they throw some rocks out a window. Well, you could report that as damage to property and that could also get them in trouble. Um, But there are the more serious cases and and, um, a lot of those cases may include like sex, sexual um, exploration with an, another kid, which is serious. But, um, you know, again, if you're six or seven year old and, and you don't understand the judicial process, then that's not really going to be beneficial to you if there are concerns about your behavior or your practice. It's, you know, the court's not going to necessarily help you. You're going to need more services. And that's kind of why there was that push to pull them from court and push them towards source services. Right. I guess just to be clear, we're not talking about um, them just being, you know, being able to go on and do whatever they want. But this would take them out of the court system and put them maybe in in some kind of social services or, or get them help or uh, you know, some other treatment that they may need. Right. It's just it's just not going to put the six and seven and some of, and most of the eight, nine year olds. They're just they're no longer going to go to have to go through this court system that they don't understand. Instead, they'll be referred to juvenile court counselors that will determine where their cases should go, whether they need more cert, they need services or, you know, whether it just needs to be dismissed. Um, you, you mentioned that some of these complaints originate from schools. Uh, some of your reporting indicated many of these cases originate from schools, especially at the younger end of the spectrum, five, six, seven-year-olds. Um, can you, how, how did you find that data, first of all? And, and secondly, um, is there something the school system should be doing rather than pushing this into court? Um, that data was provided. Juvenile justice provided me with that and a lot of other data. They were, I actually have to say they were great in providing this information and it was super helpful and in, in telling the story and seeing all those details. And I think that through my reporting and other reporting, it's very clear that schools play a very important role in, um, you know, addressing some of these behavior and mental health issues that children have as they're going through the system for whatever reason, whether it's they've experienced trauma or they've been abused and, and, or they have some type of um, disability that prevents them from being able to learn or sit still. And so I think that this reporting and other reporting really shows how schools react to those children is really going to help determine their futures. Are they going to report this to juvenile justice and really push for them to go through the court system? Or are they going to be more focused on, you know, are we following their plans? Are we, are there other issues here at work and and really work more towards addressing those issues than trying to put them into juvenile justice system? You mentioned uh, Governor Cooper's, um, racial justice equity, you know, board that came with this recommendation, then some, some lawmakers have taken this up 
after that and, and introduced legislation. And that's sort of where we are today. Um, the original bill, if I'm reading everything correctly, we wanted to raise that age to 10 before, before children will be in the juvenile justice system. But that ran into some obstacles in the legislature. Can you, can you explain what happened there? Yeah, you know, and it was kind of interesting. I was looking over that first article that I wrote and, you know, I spoke to Wake County DA Lauren Freeman and and she pointed out how everyone does agree that the age does need to be raised, but, and it will happen, but it's just not sure what age limit that is. So, you know, as it got to uh, the House and then the Senate there, you you did see some reluctance um, from the North Carolina Conference of DAs. They felt like um, 10 was a little high. And as well as some Republican members in the House, um, there was somewhat of a conversation of whether we should go ahead and refer these youth, some of these youth to um, juvenile justice so maybe they can get help versus um, if we just left them they, out of the system, they would be less likely to be helped and their parents would be less likely to be compelled to help them. So there was that kind of debate going on. And, and um, you know, they did ultimately have a significant influence and they did drop that age from um, everyone that's under 10 years old to all six and seven year olds and eight and nine-year-olds who face misdemeanor or low-level kind of charges, um, or uh, those would all be kept from the system. But if you're an eight- or nine-year-old and you face a a higher-level felony or you have previously been in the system, then you can be put into the juvenile justice system and, and called before a judge. And that new bill passed the House 101 to 1. Uh, it passed the Senate 42 to nothing. Um, it, it seems very likely that Governor Cooper will sign the bill here in, uh, in a matter of days. Um, I, I do, I do want to ask, what happens to, to the, you know, what happened to the six-year-old that, that you know, cut these flowers in, in a yard? What, um, they obviously don't go to jail, um, but, but what, happens, what happens to them? So, you know, and, and that was kind of, uh, that's an important piece of the story. So most of these six-year-olds who end up before a judge, it's, it's you know, while we, it, it's because their parents typically were, were unable to show up. So once someone's charged, they're supposed to have a consultation with um, a, a court counselor. And many times, you know, if, if you are a parent of uh, you're working many jobs, maybe you're homeless, Maybe you don't have a you know, a regular address or even a phone number. You know the the notice may not make it to you. You may not have time to go. You may not be able to get transportation, or you may say, "This is ridiculous. My six year old is being charged with a crime. I'm not going to show up." So when the parents didn't show up for those, when the parents and the kids don't show up for those meetings, then it's automatically sent to court. And typically when it gets in front of a judge, the judge will look and see the kid and, and say it's dismissed. But just having, and, and a lot of the advocates who wanted to, to raise the age, just saying pulling that child through the system creates harm. It creates a distrust of the system and this idea that they're putting them in the situation that they don't understand. So they, they said it wasn't a beneficial to those kids. Um. 
have you heard from uh, you know some of these advocates, some of these lawyers who who are pleased with the legislation? Are they happy that that the state has now decided to raise that age to to ten in most cases, or eight in most cases? I guess I haven't talked to any of the attorneys, but I did talk to um, Billy Lassiter, who is you know the head of juvenile justice today, and you know he said that. You know, they, they made some improvement and, and they're pleased with that. You know, and there, there are others, there are some other changes in, in the bill that clarify and, and improve some conditions for youth. Um, but they're still working on it. Um, they still, uh, I think right now there's a subcommittee kind of talking about what they can do to get um, youth assessed to make sure that they understand. So maybe more assessments to youth to other youth, those eight and and nine-year-olds, to make sure that they have like a capacity hearing, to make sure that they do understand what's going on. And the fact that their age can be considered in that capacity. The way it's written right now, um, it's typically, it's written kind of like you need a mental illness or a reason that you don't have capacity. It, It can't necessarily just be your age. So I think they're trying to clarify that to make more children eligible to have that assessment. Well, it's, it's been fantastic reporting and, and, you know, as I said at the beginning, heartbreaking in some ways to read about these kids. And, and you realize that uh, in order for them to get to this situation, a lot of things have had to break down um, in, their, in their lives, in their very young lives. And so um, I, I commend you for, for all your reporting on this issue. And, and it has enacted change. North Carolina, any sense if North Carolina still will be the, have the youngest age or has this uh, put the, the state in more um, reasonable company, I guess? And this, I mean, this has put the state in more reasonable company. And actually, that six years old, as, as someone else pointed out, was it was like the lowest in the world, is what one expert told me. Um, but, you know, the majority of states, I think it's about 29, they actually don't set an actual age. Um, and, you know, in those states, I guess it's kind of an, a, either an unspoken rule or, an, I mean, it, each state does it different. But so we're kind of in the middle now. I think that there are a couple, uh, like three or four states that might be high, that may have higher ages than us now. Well, great, Virginia. I appreciate you joining the Under the Dome podcast and, and keep up this great reporting. And uh, so thankful that you were able to join us today. Thanks, Brian. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.